All right, welcome everyone, and this is a special edition of a personal trainer's guide to uh, wealth creation. And uh, today, very fortunate to have one of our uh, one of our exceptional students, Shane DeCosta, along because we've been getting a lot of questions, or Shane gets asked a lot uh, for his insights and his experience about what it's taken to go from a solo trainer in the industry for about thirteen years, mate. Has it been? Have I got that right? Uh, oh, no, 18 now, 18, 18. in the, the industry, yeah. Not yeah. a grey hair, unbelievable. Uh, 18 yeah. years. <laughs> so then uh, building a team of, mate, how many trainers at the moment? 10 now, but uh, with the aim to get it to 40 by the end of 2018. There you go. So uh, a team of 10, and uh, the, I guess a lot of the questions come from when, when trainers are starting off, or how, how does that eventuate? But uh, firstly, mate, welcome. Great to have you Thank here, you. and uh, you know, thanks for taking your time out of your schedule to uh, to be here and pass on your your experience. So, I, I guess firstly, mate, for, for people that don't know you or haven't come across you before, or they're only they've only seen bits and pieces of what you've been doing, can you give us a little bit about yeah. your background in the industry when you started? Uh, and that would be excellent. So, where you're from, where you know where you run your business from, and what how long ago did you start in the industry? Too easy. So, uh, born and bred in Sydney, uh, started uh, in the industry when I was 18. Uh, obviously, straight out of school, um, did the back then what was your, your cert four, which was the which was um, the highest level of qualification. Went on to do my diploma of fitness and then diploma of uh, remedial sort of massage health science and started at City Gym, the kind of iconic gym in Sydney in Darlinghurst, which was a very much a bodybuilders. Mecca, um, yeah. you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, and that's kind of how I started my 101. Found myself after four years was uh, 2003. I ventured and uh, took a punt and went into uh, Bond Street Fitness first. So um, as a 101 personal trainer in my early 20s, and um, have been at Bond Street ever since. So 15 years now at yeah. uh, at Bond Street. Yeah. A, a couple of things made up front here and that because there's a lot of people that are probably new to the industry, uh, been in it for a while. What 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 kept you in so long? So like the, the industry has a high burnout rate, as you know, like people that start yeah. and then they yeah. exit as quick. What what what's been some of the keys just for you to be in the industry for that long to start with? This is prior for you building your team. What was it that really, you know, motivated you to stay yeah. in? The money. <laughs> I love your honesty, yeah. So the ability to make the the money that you can make, dude. We we have it so good. Not only do we get to train, be healthy, study what we love, help people with what we're passionate about, we get to make fuckloads of money. And uh, excuse yeah. the French, but that's how I roll. <laughs> yeah, and and but that's that's the important part, right? Like that, uh, especially in this industry, people want to shy away and and not talk about the money part. And for everyone, it's different. But you mentioned a few key things in there. It was also the ability to help others, uh, be passionate about yeah, what totally. you do. Yeah. yeah, and so so the, the the journey for you, you've evolved a lot, obviously. And uh, what was the turning point for that's you? That what was the turning point for you? Where you, obviously you're a solo trainer, making good. Good hours. What what were some of the defining points where you started to think about you know maybe there's an opportunity to build a team and a business you know and, and remove myself from just being the the one man band. Every every person trying is going to reach out. Look, you know, bu building a one on one business versus building 
an actual business where you've got staff and employees is two very different things. So I built what is the the most successful one-on-one -on -one personal training business in, in Sydney, if not pretty close to probably Australia from what I've heard. I was charging the most at Bond Street. I was the busiest. I was always the person on the floor when no one else was there. And naturally, being very competitive, being very goal-driven, coming from a sporting background, I played soccer and I was a, uh, a, a natural bodybuilder as well. Um, I always wanted to to reach uh, the top of the game, whatever it was I was in. So with, with that being said, when I when I'd kind of reached the the, the, the top of one-on-one -on -one personal training in Sydney, I needed another another challenge. So for me, um, I actually got very demotivated as a result. I was lacking uh, vision. I was lacking a, a direction, something to uh, drive me and inspire me on. I remember actually flirting with the idea of actually leaving the industry. I was looking into uh, business degrees, looking at um, all those kind of things. Mm because I felt like I wasn't really challenging myself in life anymore. And I'm a big believer in always pushing your boundaries and striving and achieving more and getting out of your comfort zone and jumping in the deep end. I'm a massive believer in that. So um, the turning point for me was where I realized I needed, I needed uh, to challenge myself. I needed to build something that was bigger than just me to be able to do what I love. And I and also really was passionate about helping other trainers uh, achieve success as well. Like, you know, build a business, understand the, the principles of training and all that kind of jazz, right? So that was the turning point where I realized I needed to challenge myself. And the next step from there was actually when I found you guys. So mm. if I hadn't have found you guys, I probably would have left the industry, to be honest. And I would have mm. um, gone off and done a like a, a, a degree in business or something along those lines. Um, mm. thank, uh, thank goodness I didn't because I, I love what I do now. So the turning point was really me figuring out that I needed a new challenge. I, I kind of reached that point where I hit that ceiling. Mm. Where else do you go? Do you continue to charge more? I mean, there is there is certainly a limit. There is a limit yeah. to uh, the perceived value of personal training of any service industry. There is a, there is a ceiling, there is a cap. Mm. And um, I also knew that I didn't want to be servicing 50 hours of personal training every week for the rest of my life, that I needed yeah. some energy for my kids. I needed some energy for my partner, so my, my, my girlfriend. I needed to be able to, uh, to to do this life a little bit a little bit differently. I didn't want to be doing it the same way. Not that I w couldn't, but I just thought it'd be wiser, and I and I wanted a challenge. So that was yeah. the turning point. Yeah, that's it's some some good parts parts into that, and uh, you know the part about not having a vision or not 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 knowing where it was beyond. Because I guess in the fitness first community, anyway, from your experience, and tell me this is this is true that no no you, you probably didn't have any other role models either. Seeing people building a team because most people are they just work for themselves, right? Out of yeah. out of the fitness first facility, so you didn't really yeah. probably have exposure to other people around there doing that. Yeah, yeah, no. There was nothing, and to be honest, look, you know, it's it's something that people have been trying for years in fitness first, but no one's ever done it well. And it was one of those things that everyone would tell you it was not possible that you mm. couldn't do it. That they would tell you all the negatives and all the reasons why you couldn't do it. And all I needed was one reason why I would. Mm. So that's where you know when I went and met you guys, and you and you gave me just that spark, that little bit of belief. It made all the difference to me being able to believe that it was possible. So. Um, there was, certainly wasn't any role models. There was no one doing it in fitness first, really, or really doing it well. Um, you, you got all these little, little uh, 
I suppose, operations, all these, these maybe one-man bands popping up and having a, an attempt at it, but not really on a scale that was anything that was impressive to me or that showed that they had all the systems and structure in place. So um, there was no one to, to model off. Yeah. And so, so personally for you, what did you have to change to like, what changed for you personally? I know there was a turning point, but in terms of, was there a mindset shift? Was there a different way to think? Mindset. What were some of the actions that you, yeah. that you had to embrace to be able to get to where you are now? What, what were some of the things that had to change for you personally? Mindset, humility. So, yeah. My, my number one thing was, uh, you know, when you're in your twenties and this is, this is a very generalized or generalization, when you're in your 20s, you know everything, and you're close to, to learning, you think you've got all the answers. I think when I hit my 30s, I began to realize that shit, there's the stuff that I actually don't know, and the stuff mm-hmm. that I could learn, there's people that I could learn from. So I think the mindset shift was more to adopt a, a posture of humility and you know, take my hard work, take my work, that work ethic, that, that grind mentality, mm-hmm. take that big picture thinking, but with a new posture of humility, the fact that you know you can learn that you want to be a student of life. So I mean, I mean, the, the mindset was not only relating to the industry, uh, you know, sales, marketing, learning, all that kind of stuff, but was also the personal development, understanding that there was there was other stuff I needed to address. My mindset, my my capacity to believe and achieve is uh, largely affected by sort of how I, I I approach things in my mindset. So that was the I suppose the the mindset shift. Cool. And what's um? What are the some of the I guess the daily things that you uh, do in terms of routines, practices that uh, you found as that help shape you grow into that person? So, personal development. Yeah, we. Uh, I think it's a uh, that's a key essential part of it. And then most people find that they they maybe just struggle to make that start. You know, there's that like, well, what do I do? Do I meditate? Do I do goals? What? But I guess to to just to enlighten people, what you do? What what are some of the practices that you do? on a regular basis, mate, that start to help you grow and, and shape the business that you're in now? Um, the, I would say that one of the main ones that I've really adopted is the, the morning routine, the morning ritual. So my morning routine is uh, up early and, and the first thing I do now, and it's one of the things on your advice, Jason, is to uh, myself first. So I exercise first thing in the morning. I do my weight training first thing or my, my cardio, whatever it is. And I ensure that I, I've, I've given to me first, so that I feel like I'm on I'm on top of the world. I'm ready to to go out and smash uh, my day after that. So that's the first thing. I then set out my goals, so I write out my my targets for the year again. I review them daily. I look at my vision board. I then write out the the key tasks that I need to complete that day. So you know that adopting that 80-20 rule. What are the what are the small things that are going to make the biggest difference today? The most important things I need to address today. So I do that. And I always address my gratitude. So we start, we as a team, start our day with daily gratitudes where we, where, where we verbalize things that we're grateful for. I believe that's key because it sets your mind up for having a, a, an attitude of gratitude and just attracting life and just being grateful and, and being a, a pleasant person to be around. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the me first principle and, uh, you know, you're definitely sending a message to yourself that you're serious about this and, you know, you, you know it's not it's not about uh, it's not about being selfish. It, it, in some regards, it's being selfish to making sure your needs are met and then, you know, you've got a lot of stuff to do over the course of the rest of the day and you want to make sure that you give yourself the best is what I'm, what I'm hearing there. And also the focus yeah. part I love. I love the fact that, 
you know, whatever you focus on consistently and regularly is, is what you see more of. So, yeah, mate, that's a great tip for anybody who's listening who's not, if you're starting the day under the pump and, you know, feeling stress and pressure, then it's it's definitely going to be an experience you're going to keep right. having. Uh, mate, if we now uh, go to when you made the decision, you're right, I'm going to build a team and, uh, yep. you know, I'm going to hire my first trainer. Uh, talk, us, uh, talk us about that time in your business life which is only i think not even, maybe 12 months ago was it now that yeah a little bit more a little bit more now it's oh. probably so what are we about 14 months yeah 14, okay 15 months yeah yeah so 15 months yeah. ago uh at that stage you're still working yourself you're a solo yeah. independent operator i'm going to hire my first team yeah. member just talk us about that experience and, and what it took and what happened for you uh so that experience, I mean, it, it kind of fell in my lap, the, the first the first staff member, so I wasn't really ready. Um, I was preparing and I was I was planning to, to take someone on. I was starting to do all the work, the background work and preparing all the systems and, and uh, trying to get the foundations right of what was going to be, uh, you know, Miyagi, the business. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be presented with an opportunity, so a... Uh, membership consultant that was finishing up or wanted to finish up and get into personal training um, caught wind that I was starting this you know, uh, mentoring internship program and uh, asked the club manager if he would come and ask for him um, to be interviewed for the, the to be the first uh, intern so it kind of fell in my lap so I was still you know servicing about 50 sessions a week worked that, that's over six days uh, with all the additional work on top of that of uh, writing out, you know, things like the business plan, the the mm. programs, because we've got all templates for the programs. Um, starting to design all the other bits and pieces, so that, that the week was hectic. So, I didn't wait to be ready. I mm. think I think where often I see people go wrong is they wait until things are perfect. Yeah. You you can often be, um, you know, there's this uh, what's that concept of um, uh, paralysis by analysis, or kind yeah. of where you wait until you're you, you're all ready before you jump in. Like I think that's bullshit. Like mm. jump in and then get creative. Like you know, there's a there's an aspect of, of commitment and 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 creativity following. You know, so I just said, okay, let's do this, and then I figured it out later. And I thought, all right, mm. so I'm going to play catch up. I'm going to I'm going to chew faster. I'm going to I'm going to get things moving to to be ready. So certainly, that's probably not the the best strategy all the time in every situation yeah. but i think sometimes in life you've got to just take the, the step and then do the work necessary to make sure that you can catch up so that was my strategy yeah that's great uh and so that was the first that was the first uh trainer that come on board uh and then from there of course now from from one to ten trainers you got quite the team is did you follow that same what was the process because the first one you said fell on your lap but i mean of course uh you know you you would put the word out there that this is what's happening so that's self-promotion if you don't do that then you know old, old mate wouldn't have heard about it and wouldn't have contacted you so that's it's kind of falling your lap kind of but i think mostly you put it out there uh after that first one then what was the how did that evolve into now having 10, 10 trainers what was the the process that you put in place what were some of the key things i guess if someone's listening to this and they're going you know well I, i'd like to do do a similar thing. What what are, what are the the foundations that you'd recommend people start to do? I think I, I think the real key then was uh, looking at my deliverable, looking at what I actually offered this this these people. So I really went in and and, and looked at it uh, 
as objective as I could from trying to trying to zoom out to see what what am I actually offering these people. So making sure that it's a really good service that it that it that it has more than just providing some basic exercise or programming advice or whatever. I try to make it an education uh, forum and platform where there's a, there's a, a proper service in everything from meetings to having um, you know business building documents ready for them to having a closed group on Facebook for clients, a closed group on Facebook for the actual PTs as well. So trying to create something that has has a real that is a real business that has a real mm. um, deliverable. Uh, yeah. The next thing I, I think would be the actual system of hiring. So the process I've got, I, you know, being able to get people to to interview is one thing, but but getting them to say yes or or see your mm. vision, to buy into your vision is a is a completely separate thing. So mm. having a sales presentation as well for, for them. So on yeah. on, on um, before they actually sit down in front of you. Having your website with a lot of uh, content, some um, at that point I didn't have a lot of testimonials, but whatever you could have, um, and then having a, a, a process of interview where it comes through from either something from the website to a phone call to getting them to send through their CV and a video. One, one key thing was getting these people to send through a video, so answering mm -hmm. four questions that I, I'd outlined for them where they actually had to film themselves and tell me a little bit about them because I didn't want to be time wasting. I didn't want people to come in and sit down with me for an interview when their character was completely awful. Their, yeah. uh, their personal skills were terrible. So having that process, the process of any interview from completing an online form, uh, sending through the CV, sending through a video, having an interview, a formal interview, then, then putting in place a technical exam, a theory exam, a practical exam, and then a final interview where we, we place an offer for these people. So having that process really defined was important. Yeah. I suppose it made them value the, the position more. Yeah. Um, we certainly didn't want to be begging for people to come on board. We wanted to attract a high caliber mm. of personal trainer. We wanted to make sure that we, we also presented very professionally. We had all the systems in place mm. to, to show that we're a legitimate operation, we're, a, we're a, a, a proper service, not just a personal trainer in a gym trying to hire someone yeah i like um i like all that the, the first part i guess was describing your culture like designing your culture and what you stand for as a business and a company so people could like you know virgin there there's some classic companies where people want to work for because of what they represent yeah. what they stand for apple another one you know so there's people that that just yeah. want to chomp at the bit to get to some of these companies so i like that part first and I guess if you don't, um, you know, if you don't have a strong belief and culture within your own business, what you stand for, then it's hard to, like you said, articulate that to people who are going to come work for you and it'll just boil down to maybe a dollar, you know, figure. So being more than just about what they're going to get paid. Uh, the second part I like is that you're very, you get to be very clear on uh, the non-negotiables about who you hire. And so I remember seeing uh, your process and you know, I'm always fond of saying there's, there's probably like, you know, you're going to figure out three or four non-negotiables for someone that you're going to hire. Uh, and mm -hmm. I know your, your, your company stands for a high level of service, right? So that if I'm going to work with one of your trainers, I'm assured that their technical ability, their, their ability in terms of communication, everything across the board is of a high standard. That's why you're a premium service. So I guess, and yeah. when you're hiring a trainer, that's what, is that, that's what you were thinking about at the time. What does this Absolutely. trainer need to possess? Yeah, absolutely. And my, my question is always: Would I, would I, could I see myself handing over my clients to this person? Could I mm. see, uh, you know, my me um, allowing my girlfriend to train with this trainer? Would I feel 
proud to see this person representing the Miyagi brand. I think I think one thing I've probably missed here as well is that you know in in in, in the process, the important thing I, I really um, believe this strongly is that you've got to build a brand, and that brand needs to be bigger than your name. Like notice, I haven't set up a brand mm. to shame the cost of personal training. Mm. Um, and for those of you that may have done that already, that that's cool, and and that may be the direction you're taking. Personally, I kind of felt that. I needed to build something that people um, saw the uh, bought into the values they bought into what we stand for that they mm. would feel comfortable bleeding for and working hard for so a brand so I didn't want to build a brand on my name because I didn't feel that people would be loyal to shame the cost of personal training yeah it, it, I, I believe strongly it needed to be bigger than that so I, I was in my in my original uh, setting up of the business is probably what took me the longest and what I stressed over most was mm. what are we going to call this thing? What is it going to represent? What are our values? What's our point of difference? Our, mm. our value proposition? What do we stand for? And, and and what makes us different? I really went to town on that and hence Miyagi, it's different. It, it captures attention. Um, it, it, it doesn't sound and fade away like every other personal training business. So that's what I would challenge everyone on is that are you building a brand that yeah. people would bleed for and believe in and want to work hard for? Mm. Um, or are you just building something to, to build your name? So, Yeah. And I love that. I mean, that, that comes down to everything you've done, even the promo video that you, you, you had done up that yeah. uh, basically was clearly stated that, you know, Maggi is not for everybody in terms of working for if you don't possess these type of traits that we're looking for, then it's, you know, it's not for you, which I, I really like. So you're not begging people. You're saying you, if you like the idea of coming and working for a company that represents this, then, then uh, apply. And if not, then, you know, it's, yeah. it's definitely not for you. Uh, mate, what's life like now uh, compared to when you were the you were the you know, the trainer, the admin, the doing everything, and you were doing all the sessions? What what what's life now like now? Because there's a lot of hard work that's gone into that. Unless they make notice, make a mistake about to anyone listening, you know, it's hard work. You you've got to put the work in to reap the rewards, yeah, and that's hard. just a classic. That's just a classic thing. If you're not prepared for it, then it won't work. So what what's what's life yeah. like for you now that? You know, you're in this position. If you rewind the clock, say 15, two years ago, I think I think it's harder in in, in certain aspects and easier in others. That where it's harder is managing people. Managing people is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. And and um, you know, certainly in all our conversations, it's in our coaching sessions. You and I, yeah. um, you obviously agree. All our time is taken up with. Uh, bouncing um, ideas and stuff off you and you know, regarding um, people management and learning how to be better at that. So mm-hmm. that's where I find it's harder. My day is, is very different. My day now is needs to be very strategically planned. I need to be very in tune with what's going on. I need to be very on top of you know um, the staff. You've got to think about it with 10 people now as it is, you've got 10 different personalities, 10 different levels of expectations. You've got 10 different... Uh, backgrounds and 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 um, people with baggage. So you, you're you're constantly juggling levels of enthusiasm and mm. uh, things going on in their life. And so managing people is the hardest one. Keeping people on board, keeping people focused, driving forward, pushing, motivated, happy is is definitely the the, the most difficult aspect. I think the easiest aspect or, or the or the the point of difference is that now. I've, I've, at times, I've got room to breathe. It doesn't mean I'm not working hard. I'm working different. I'm working 
probably longer hours. I'm working more on the weekends. I'm working more at, at odd hours at times. Um, I'm not working crazy through the night, certainly not doing that. But um, there, there's aspects that are, that are better where now I go on a holiday and I'm making money. So uh, Pearl and I, my girlfriend, and I went on a, a holiday two weeks ago and we uh, still made money the whole time we were away. And when we got back, we grew, the business grew 10% whilst we were away on holidays sipping um, vodka, lime and sodas. So yeah. that's not, not bad. Yeah, beautiful. So and that, that uh, is a beautiful thing. And uh, I remember last year as well, you went to New York, right? That was one of your, the first times yeah. since being in business or well, self-employed when you were self-employed, but the first time where you could go away and the business, right. Miyagi, not Shane DaCosta, Miyagi was running while you were over the other side of the, yeah, of, right. of the world. Miyagi was still was still yeah. operating and making money and all that. And, uh, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, I think, one of the you know cool experiences that the hard work showed for. Absolutely. Yeah. And- Absolutely. Look, the hard work is all worth Regardless how hard it is, I mean, it is, mm. it's, it's, if it was easy, everyone would do it. If it was, mm. if it was a no-brainer, you'd have everyone yeah. doing it. So, you know, it, the, the most beautiful thing is that when you're away and you're enjoying life, you're seeing the world, you're traveling, and you're still making money, that's when you really stop and, and are appreciative of, of everything that you've achieved and everything that, that there is in place. And also very appreciative of the staff that you have, uh, regardless of maybe some of the problems or some of the headaches that they may cause you. Um, you're still very appreciative and thankful that they've chosen you to, to uh, work for. Yeah, and, and, and you brought up a point before saying you're still working, you know, the, the big hours and that. Would you say that that's a lot of it's by choice? Like the hours that you do work, is that a of lot course. of it by choice? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, Look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely um, driven and, and extremely um, – I'm an extreme high achiever. So – I'll always push myself more and more. Look, if I didn't have a girlfriend, I'd probably work through the night, to be honest. Um, you know, having having her keeps me keeps me balanced, balanced and keeps me sane. So, um, yeah, it is by choice. It is by choice. But then again, you know, you choose what what you want to achieve. And I've I've set some big targets to hit yeah. by 2018. And um, I'm not going to stop for anything. Yeah, and so that's the, the that's the point I want to make that uh, everyone is different, and like I've never ever ever heard you complain about the hours. That's why I say it's a choice. So we've all got a choice to the hours you want to work, how much you want to put into it, at what time frame do you want to achieve it. That's but the most important thing for people listening is that if you you know you want to continue to move yourself forward, if that's what you want to do. Uh, so we've covered yeah. off on, uh, and I'll just pause for a second, just say, like, for anybody listening, you guys are on there at the moment. If you've got any questions that you'd like to ask Shane and relative to what maybe your situation is, where you want to go, now's the time to just start typing them in, and uh, I'll check to see if they're there. We'll keep rolling on, uh, but but you'll have a chance. And, uh, you know, you've got to really maximise these opportunities. I know sometimes, you know, your brain can go br- um, very broad, when Gabe, you got any questions? I'd start to think about some of the things that uh, you may want to know, like you, you know, like in terms of you know uh, what were some key things to Shane? Because I mean, at the moment you're doing 200 and uh, you're just over 200 hours of PT per week. Yeah, we're on about two, we're just under 220 at the moment. So the, the the goal by the end of the year is to hit 600. Yeah. So so, so two, uh, 200 now. Yeah, and so a question that sometimes we get asked, and uh, if no one asks it, I'll ask it now, and that is, who would go, well, uh, who's doing the sales consults? Uh, the, are they you? Uh, is it the team? Is it a combination of both? What what, what have you done there? 
combination of both. So I, I think the biggest way to, to really grow is to teach your staff how to how to how to sell. I mean, you can't be the complete sales force. You need to teach them yeah. how to do all the things necessary to build a business. So the perfect example is again when I was on holidays two weeks ago, the business grew ten percent. So we we signed up fifteen sessions in one week, and we could yeah, only wow. do that if we had a strong sales process. And, and if each individual is a master closer, so we spend a lot of time training and upskilling in that in the area of of sales. Yeah. So for you to get that freedom so for the business, yeah, for you to get that freedom holidays, the um, the the business to grow, the, your main objective now is to pass on that training to your yeah. trainers, make them well equipped so they can do it. Otherwise, I guess again, if you're the only one who is responsible for doing the sales, then, you know, it's going to bottleneck at some point. Is that, has that been your experience? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, you, you don't want to be in a position. I don't, I don't want to be in a position where I have to do all the selling um, for the business to grow. I mean, I, I don't think that's a, I mean, initially you might have to, I mean, initially when you sign your first trainer, you may have to do most of the selling, even maybe up until your third or your fourth or your fifth. Mm. Um, particularly if that is your strength. Now, as you start to, if you're doing a lot of sessions and you're going to decrease the amount of sessions you do and you've got more free time, it may be a wise strategy to use that time to book in your sales meetings and do a lot of the selling. But if you're going to start to look at multiple locations, we've now got multiple locations and we're starting to set up shop in different gyms, mm -hmm. um, I can't be everywhere at once. So they, they definitely need to be um, very good at, at all the selling and, and understand how to run a sales meeting and and be good at that aspect. Otherwise, the business will, will not, Will not grow. Yeah, one of, one, of one, of, one of the things I love about you, mate, is you're exceptional at becoming a um, a solution provider. Like, if there's a problem, you'll find a solution for it. Uh, would you say that's one of the key things to being successful in business is is focusing on the solutions and not getting wrapped around the problems? I think I think that's it in a nutshell. I think that is essentially what you become when you're a business owner. You become a problem solver. Yeah. Every business owner that I meet, I mean, I train a lot of very successful people. I mean, in the CDCBD, we train all sorts of, you know, fund managers, um, partners of law firms, all sorts of uh, uh, very successful business owners. And everything I hear from them is that they are problem solvers, that most of their day is taken up solving issues, trying to figure out what's a better way to do it, streamline things, make it more efficient, get more out of the staff, get more out of um, their, their clients, their processes, all that. So, I agree 100%. Everything I, I do now is try to figure out ways to do things better, improve the process. So you and I, Jason, had a chat the other day about our, our client retention and our client satisfaction type strategy. So this morning, I emailed 20 clients, personally, personally emailed 20 clients yeah. um, that, that I don't really even know yet, just, just um, uh, thanking them for being a client and attaching a link to a survey. Um, because I, I want to know in advance what are the issues. I want to introduce myself. Um, mm. So I'm trying to solve a problem before it becomes a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great. And, uh, mate, if you had to rewind the clock and, you know, you've been through it now, you've you've had that growth, uh, is there anything that you do differently on um, reflection uh, that might be useful for someone watching this today? Maybe I mean the only thing really I look back at uh, is probably the the design of the website, the initial website that I that I built um, cost me a lot of money. I, I kind of was always under the impression that you spend more and you get you get more, you get better. Uh, I learned the hard way that that isn't the case. So yeah, I, I probably would have just done a little bit more research, been a little bit more cautious with uh, how much we spend on something like that, and um, with with the understanding now that it's 
it's not so much about what you spend, but it's about what you get for what you're spending. Um, yeah. So that's probably the only mistake I look back think I, I, I shouldn't have uh, signed up with those original people. Perhaps um, if I had met the, the crew that you introduced me to, I would have saved yeah. a whole bunch of money and had a better website from the start. So. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, tips, so somebody that your main, I guess, main success tips for you know, for growing a business and building a team, what were, what were some of the things that, you know, you would, you'd pass on to somebody who's looking at doing that or maybe you started? Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. The, um, the number one thing is you got to get, you got to get buying, you got to get people loyal and you got to get them wanting to be a part of what you're building. They need to believe in what you're doing. So yeah. the first thing again is think about your branding. So that I've already mentioned that before about, you know, are yeah. you building your name are you, or are you building a brand? Um, there are both. You, your brand is your name, but if you want people to work for you, ask yourself: Are people really going to be committed to working for, for, for like Shane the cost of personal training? I didn't believe so. So that was my number one tip: was to get. Um, I needed to get buy-in. So that was the first thing I did. I made sure that my brand uh, did that. And then I communicated very strongly what our values were. Made it very strong up front. We had an operations manual put together, and it was something we touched on regularly. Yeah. The next thing was just the, the, the daily huddle. So we do a 15-minute meeting every morning. Um, every morning we do a 15-minute meeting, get everyone in, uh, and we discuss you know the opportunities for the day, what we need to do that day. Mm. We talk about gratitudes, pump each other up, and, and off we go. Uh, lots of education. The education is key, making sure that mm. they feel like they're being invested back into, that they're not yep. just a mule service in sessions. I think that's key. It's very important. And the last is end of week wrap up. So making sure that you celebrate their wins. You also give them an opportunity to to reflect on the things they could have done better yep. and what they aim to improve on next week. So every Friday we do a, a weekly wrap up with the team at 4 p.m. Uh, in Sydney. And we, 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 where we go through their, their personal reflection, they share their win. Uh, for, and, and, and again, it creates that sense of team and, and they all build off each other. And, and uh, it's a great forum to reflect and then look at how they can improve for next week so perfect yeah that's great advice mate i love it and i just love that it's it's all about consistent and doing things regularly you know like can't do training once every couple of months and expect you guys or your team to stay pumped and fresh and motivated you know it's that regular regular check-in yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. that's that's the biggest takeaway for me there is just go it's got to be regular Uh, absolutely you you know trying to address problems when it's already an issue is that's not where you want to be so mate that's great bit of advice personally you said you know you shared with us uh earlier that because one of the things i get fascinated about with people who are successful in business is not just if they're successful in business but do they able to stay healthy you know maintain the relationships and uh you know all all that that um is there anything else that you would add to it? I mean, the me first principle, the training first. You obviously yeah. stay in, you know, great shape, so you're you're a walking advertisement for your own values. Is there anything else that may, keeps you, I guess, you know, fresh, revitalized, you know, healthy? Is there any other tips that you do that you know could be passed on? That's that's a that's a probably the most important one, isn't it? I mean, like if you fall if you fall to bits, the, everything falls to bits, right? So. I'm very fortunate to have a, a very supportive partner who's very in tune, emotionally intelligent. She continues to pull me back in the line. Like I said, I'm probably can be a bit of a workaholic at times and push, push, and push. And she keeps me sort of my feet on the ground and and and, and helps me to remember to breathe. So I think my number one tip there is remember to breathe, and that ties back into what we were talking about, Jason. When you know I started training back at jujitsu because jujitsu was kind of like my meditation. 
So yeah. it's my time away from the gym, even though the gym is contributing to my health. It's still in that in that um, same space that my my stress comes from, so to speak. Right. So jujitsu is my opportunity to, to leave the gym, go to a different gym, but it's completely detached, where I can be an hour about me, where the phone turns off, and I remember to breathe. Um, and that was one thing we, we went through when you were squashing me that day. <laughs> remember to breathe. So, you know, I think that's the key. Right? Remember to breathe. Remember that it's about life, that it's about, you know, uh, improving and enhancing your life and creating more good moments. Beautiful. Matt, I've got a question for you from, uh, from Brendan. Uh, Juiced. And uh, he's gone, Shane. Uh, yeah. He's, he's particular, particular. Do you see it? Uh, particularly interested in how and and how you um, how your setup works within Fitness First because he's he's working out of Fitness First in Queensland. Are your trainers required yeah. to sign? Uh, is it like the agreements, the trip tripartite uh, agreements? Tripartite. I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, so with with uh, within Fitness First, I mean they're they're very cautious about the. The mentoring model, uh, A, they're very supportive of it, but B, they're cautious of it uh, not being done properly. So um, there's a, I had discussions with uh, management here in Fitness First about, about that in Sydney, um, and the agreement was that I would sign the tripartite. Now, even though um, my, my lawyer on his recommendation was that it, it didn't serve a purpose, that there wasn't really a need for it um, to appease Fitness First and to get them on board and get their support, um, I've I've chosen to sign it so that I can expand. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be given the uh, opportunity to expand if I didn't play ball, so to speak. So yeah, we have to sign a tripartite agreement. There isn't much benefit for us, but it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Perfect. I hope that's answered the question, uh, Brendan. Uh, here we go. Another part two of that. Uh, Shane, is uh, have you had any issues with trainers leaving prior to the twelve months? Uh, and if yes, how did you manage this? And uh, yeah, we have um, we, we've sacked a couple um, along the way, so we've we've terminated a couple along the way. Um, as you can imagine, you're not going to get a 100% success rate with exactly. getting it right, you know, firing right every single time. Um, so we've had one leave, only one leave in the 15 months, um, and. That didn't go very well. I mean, it went okay, but it didn't go very well. I mean, people naturally um, at times will be a little bit dishonest or, or whatnot. You can't control that. All you can control is what you can control. So my end of the bargain was upheld. Um, the individual left, and it, we, we, we're still chasing a, a small amount of, of debt that um, – as a result of him leaving, but look, you know that that's small chips, it's small potato chips. Yeah. It's not a problem. Um, you know that, that's part and parcel with dealing with clients, dealing with um, staffing issues. You're gonna have people leave. We have great contracts in place. Uh, we do our best to make everyone happy, and and we're we're open to the fact that you know people will leave at some point, and and it's just a negotiation like anything else in life. Yeah, I agree. It's a uh, it's a great question uh, to have answered. Uh, uh, Brennan said appreciate I'm just going to move because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep talking but I'm just going to have to put my laptop on charge so keep talking <laughs> uh, I, uh, Brennan just said he appreciates the response and I, I agree with Shane as Shane's just relocating to charge 
the uh, these questions are great to ask. They're also you, you need to realise that there's um, uh, you know, and I don't think Brennan was asking this. It's just curious. That there's always the bigger picture to look at, and I know even with Create PT Wealth. Yep. There'll be times very limited now because, like Shane said, we have a, we have a great process for, for taking clients on and making sure it's a good fit. There is going to be a small occasion where, you know, under pressure when, when things don't work out the way people like them to, that they aren't the best at coping with that and they want to blame, finger point, or right. whatever their, their default yeah. is. And so you got to, again, you got to look at the bigger picture. As a business owner and an entrepreneur, you, 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 you're, not right. gonna, you're not going to focus in on the same mindset as someone who is having that behaviour. So it's normally a very small percentage. But if you do allow it to become your main focus, then you become very re reactive and it can have a, you know, a bigger personal impact on you rather than a business impact. Because if you look at your um, financial improvement chain, you said firstly at the start of the um, interview, which I really love because not many people feel comfortable saying it's about making the money that you want and good on you and, and that's that's why you're in business yeah. apart from the other other reasons of adding value uh your your income i guess now compared to where you're a solo trainer to where it is now uh has grown you know tenfold massively. right yeah, yeah massively and yeah. so again what do you focus on you know you, you you focus on the one or two maybe you know, insignificant little matters that you got to deal with and dress, or do you focus on the bigger, the bigger picture and and the the best part of it is like the freedom, the holidays, the business it runs with without you, the income that increases, you know, right. more wealth created for your family, all, all those things that that come as a result of it. So I think that's what we've got to remind ourselves about. Uh, on that topic, before you respond to your but I remember there was that exercise we did back, um, I think it was last year before, where it was about the the wealth mindset. And uh, remember, there was an exercise yeah. we did about expanding, you know, the amount of money yeah. that you could allow in your yeah. life. Um, I think you had a bit of a yeah. you had a bit of a recognition of that particular event and, and how it changed uh, your thinking a bit. Do you want to just share that with us? Yeah. yeah so with uh, that was here in Sydney, actually, I remember that and. Uh, you took us through that exercise where we, we had to, uh, I think it was a closed eye exercise. We had to imagine mm. our earning capacity and, and, and you kept challenging us to go up and, and to kind of tap out when we felt like we had, uh, we'd reached that ceiling. And for me, it was somewhere around five point something million annual sort of gross turnover. For me, that was that number. I just went boom. That was my ceiling. And funny enough, my, my targets have been set on that. So the, the 600 session uh, a week target has not been sort of just plucked out of the sky. It was actually on the, on the basis of, of that training exercise with you. Yeah. And but so if you rewind the clock and thought, if you would have set that like, you know, two, three, four years ago, where you put oh, no way. 600 sessions. So, yeah. so the, the, the important part there is, uh, would you say, mate, is just to keep allowing yourself to, to uh, expand what's just beyond what you currently think you're, you're, you're possible of. Because I think a lot of people could sit here and go, oh, 200 sessions, I'm a solo trainer. It can seem a little bit, you know, a little bit just too much for the brain to comprehend for some people. Uh, and so yeah. then is it just going, well, you know, was it for you, I'll get the first trainer on, second trainer? Was that your was that your thinking process? What what was your journey just yeah, to up on? <laughs> I think initially it was was um, 
Yeah, it certainly got defined and got more and more clear as, as I spent more time with you at those workshops. Um, originally, it was more the concept of just having someone, mm. um, but me being me, as soon as I get one or reach something, I want to keep pushing up, I want to push the boundaries and, a, and I want to, I never just want to create something average because the way I see it, like average sucks, you know what I mean? So mm. I always want to create something amazing. So uh, as soon as I got one, I thought, fuck it, let's get 20, let's get 30, yeah. let's get 40. And, and funny enough, you know, like, you know, with, with that exercise we did, when I hit that target in, in my mindset of uh, five point whatever million it was as a, as a gross turnover, then I worked backwards from there. Yeah. So um, that, that exercise was was very key in, in allowing me to, to to believe what was possible. Great. I mean, these these are the real key parts I like to share, not just the technical part of it about agreements and structure, but also the mindset part of it, just to share with people, you know, what's possible and, and how you can start viewing this stuff. Well, mate, uh, look, absolutely uh, a pleasure having, having you on uh, the call today and sharing your story, and it's been an absolute pleasure watching it. Uh, and and just another reinforcement to me is what the human human spirit can do once we tap in. And the part about average I like because you know why get out of bed to be average anyway? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're going to build a massive yeah. business or you you're a one man band. Just yeah, right. if you're getting up every morning to be average and not extend yourself and make a difference, you know, I, I personally don't get that either. Why would you want to be the same as you were yesterday? So. Uh, everything you said, mate, just really embraces the, the spirit of what it takes to be successful in any area. So, mate, I want to thank you for your time. And, uh, pleasure. Uh, pleasure. Given us your journey and experience. So, mate, can't wait to catch up with you very, very shortly down in Sydney. And, uh, mate, looking forward awesome. to uh, many more good times ahead. So, thanks, bud. Awesome, mate. Thanks, uh, guys. Hope you uh, crack on to bigger and better things. I love hearing all the uh, the success stories. So, keep it up. Keep uh Believing and fighting the good fight, and let's make some money. Boom. <laughs> Beautiful, mate. See you, bud. See you, legends. See ya.